Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, <coughs> Erev Shabbos. Zos Chanukah, final day of Chanukah 5784. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. <laughs> Yeah. 
Wake me up, it's time to go. Been down this road before, and I know there's danger up ahead. Recalculate and turn around. I'm heading home, I'm homeward bound. No, I'm not gonna walk that path no more. I know, I know it's not too late. No, my past won't seal my fate. You'll be there with arms wide open. No matter what I've done wrong, no matter how long I've been gone, you'll be there to let me back in. Feel she seen no mashuah, umochel v'soleach, mochel v'soleach, moshit yadon ezav. ונותן ברחמיו את הכוח לתקן ונשוב אליו. Oh, 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 oh,
I've been praying with my song through this night, it's been too long, but somehow there'll be light at the end. Through the alleys in the dark and the shadows of my heart, waiting for the fire to descend. Shining bright, shining bright, feel the light and embrace your soul. Shining bright, shining bright, feel the light come and make you whole. In the light, in the light, in the light of the sun we shine. Stay away, stay away, stay away from the darkness of night. Trying to stay pure in this harsh and crazy world But it ain't always easy to achieve But with a new day just begun And the rising of the sun Radiating lights guiding me Shining bright, shining bright Feel the light embrace your soul Shining bright, shining bright Feel the light come and make you whole Uva Hashem
See you 
Why studs? Jam in the end with the Y studs. There they are. You can lie with me. Chasov done by Ellie Marcus. Zusha had Don't Leave Me on My Own. In the Light done by Aryeh Kunstler. Yehuda Green with both Hodu and Mimkomcha. My Way Back Home. That was the Solomon Brothers and Yishai Rebo. That song came up yesterday in conversation with Yummy Shachter. Curry Bone done by Schlockrock and, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday, everybody. Good Erev Shabbos, as we like to say, as we uh, embark on yet another amazing Hanukkah day. In Israel, Hanukkah is almost over. They got a couple of hours left. And uh, for us, obviously, it's, well, for everybody, it's Zos Hanukkah, the eighth day of Hanukkah. And it will conclude as Shabbos begins later on today. Simple as that. Good morning. It's JM in the AM on a uh, Friday hour of Shabbos for this 15th day of December, day number three in the month of Teves. The year is 5784. Tufshin Pei Dalit. Candlelighting time on this Arab Shabbos Mikates in New York is 4.09. Again, candlelighting time in New York, 4.09 on this Arab Shabbos. A week from today, it's Asar Bateves, a fast day, rare on a Friday, but it is a fast day a week from today. We will be in Israel, please God. Wednesday from Nefesh Benefesh, Wednesday from Nefesh Benefesh, we will be conducting our Monday 
and Tuesday JM in the AM uh, from our New York City studio. Monday and Tuesday from New York City. And um, where is, oh, there it is. Monday and Tuesday from New York City, then Wednesday, please God, from Jerusalem with an update about things. The, uh, I will give you advance warning, as I've been warned. The mood in Jerusalem, the mood in Israel in general is, uh, is quite tenuous. The mood swings as people go through their daily lives, and thank God plenty of smachot, and at the same time they go through the war every single day, and a war that's dominated as far as we're concerned, as much as the victory is imminent, it is dominated by difficult news because of the loss of so many soldiers and every community and segment of Israeli society being affected by that. So it's a, uh, it's a tenuous mood, and I'm sure that's what we will, we will discover. Uh, we will uh, confirm what we've been hearing when we're there on Wednesday. With that in mind, keep our brothers and sisters in Israel in mind. Uh, as this holiday of miracles closes, the time and the and the uh, possibility of miracles does not close. That could happen any time. The um, salvation from the one above can come in an instant, and we will not stop praying for that. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are being held hostage. We pray for our brothers and sisters in the IDF. Keep on praying, everybody. Keep on praying. JM and the AM Friday morning broadcast. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Malcolm Holmline expected today in hour number three with our weekly update. We'll discuss with him what's happening in this amazing world of ours. That'll be happening um, at 7.40 a.m. Eastern time. So that'll be coming up. Our uh, year-end fundraiser, well, let's see. We're halfway through the month. It's the 15th of December. It's the 3rd of the five uh, Fridays that we've been discussing, right? The final Friday is going to be from Jerusalem. Next Friday, the fourth Friday of December, is going to be from Jerusalem on a fast day on Asara Bateves. Today, it's the third Friday, the third, well, it's really the second week, but the third Friday, yeah. (laughs) Right now, all through Hanukkah, and maybe beyond, who knows? We'll see what happens. But right now, through Hanukkah, uh, any donation that you give, anything that you give, is uh, being matched by our uh, incredible and amazingly generous matchers. Um, everything you give is being matched. So right now, I'll give you an example. We heard from Mark and Susan Weintraub yesterday. They're out there in Michigan. They don't miss JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. They're always tuned in. Uh, they gave a uh, 10 times high donation. It's now 20 times high because of our matchers. And David Slansky, who gave um, $72, four times high. That's now eight times high because of our matchers. I thank the Ginsburgs, Ari and Aliza. Uh, They never forget us. Every year they make sure to support our efforts, and I can't thank them enough. Uh, They gave 180 and that's now 360 because of our matchers. It's very simple. Uh, there was an anonymous donation through Eitan and Yonina's uh, page, their ambassadorship. That was a 30 times high donation. It's now a 60 times high donation of $1,080. 
because of our matchers. And our dear friend Shimon Lefkowitz, who never, ever forgets us, he has been proud of what we've been doing literally for the last 40 years on this show and on this network, and I can't thank him enough. He uh, overnight gave a $1,000 donation, and that's now $2,000. So I was going to set a goal for today of 60000 <laughs> that was the goal I wanted to get to so that we're at least at 60,000 today, halfway through the campaign, um, which would give us 15% of the campaign, which is not unusual to be at this pace, you know, on a campaign that still has a couple of weeks and a lot of acceleration coming up. So I was going to make it 60,000, but now I can't do that because we're over 60,000. So, so the question is, what should I make the goal? What should I make the goal for 9 a.m. Eastern time this morning? That's the question. And then I'll ask everyone who hasn't donated yet to start donating, especially Friday. People like donating on Fridays. Um, so that's the question, and I don't have an answer yet. I guess right now we'll say 65. Right now we'll say 65,000. Um, and we'll see how things go. If you haven't given yet, every single dollar you do give gets uh, matched, and I certainly hope that will encourage you to give and give generously. Um, and I thank you. What more can I say? Malcolm Holmline coming up. We'll check in with Svi Gluck. Rabbi Gluck is going to be, uh, is going to be um, part, obviously part of. He's the leader of uh, Amudim and the leader of the big Unite to Heal event coming up Sunday and Monday, we'll speak to him in the 8 o'clock hour. And plenty more on a Friday. Hey, it's Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Miketz, a rarity that we read the Miketz Haftorah. Usually Miketz is Shabbos Hanukkah. So a rarity we have tomorrow that we read the uh, Miketz Haftorah from Malachim Aleph. How do you like that? More coming up, Friday Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. <laughs>
in the AM with Micha Gammerman, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Miketz. Um, 409 candle lighting in New York. 409 candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Well, how... I'll tell you, our listeners are amazing. Um, we've always said we, we have a variety as we've always explained. We've variety. I think it's obvious. We don't have to explain it. I think it's obvious, but we have a variety of, um, of revenue streams, right? Our sponsorships, you hear our sponsors, uh, practically every day on the air, special events, uh, when we go on the road and have live broadcasts, etc. And um, most importantly, our listener support, because without the listener support, it would be impossible. We wouldn't be able to do this. So I ask, and sure enough, people respond, which is amazing. Uh, I said that our goal was uh, 60,000, so now we're at 60,700. Thanks to Estelle and Pitsy Lazar Ashenberg. Thank you. Thank you for your donation, which was three times high, but got increased to six times high because of our matching. Thank you to the matchers. And, uh, you know, as I said before, I think now we have to make the goal 65,000 because for today, because <laughs> Baruch Hashem, we exceeded the 60,000 that I originally was thinking about. So whatever you can give, thank you. And remember that it is a, um, a campaign. Um, it is a campaign that, um, at the moment, through Hanukkah, has every single dollar that's being given matched. Every single dollar right now. That may be extended. I hope it is, frankly. Uh, but right now, that's the deal with the matchers through Hanukkah. And if it's extended, you'll know about it over the weekend. So, what can I say other than let's get it done? Let's get to this goal and let's keep on going and keep Jam them strong and vibrant. This coming Wednesday, we're going to demonstrate again that this is an important show and an important medium uh, in terms of bridging the gap between Israel and the diaspora. We're going to begin uh, 10 days in Israel, of which, oh gosh, where is it? There it is. <laughs> I have a special calendar for this month. 
uh, <laughs> it's 10 days in Israel, of which one, two, three, four, five shows. Oh, no, six shows. Six shows will be from Jerusalem, and two shows will be from Teaneck, New Jersey, under the auspices of the great Mayor Furtig, who, by the way, is the father of an IDF soldier. I don't know if you know that or not. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week from Jerusalem. The following week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from Jerusalem. And we're going to try to bring you interesting guests. Rabbi Fass is going to join us on Wednesday, which is such an important part of our uh, broadcasts from there because he really does have his hand on the pulse of so much that's happening in Israel. So we'll speak with him, and we have other guests scheduled for Wednesday. Our friends from Naver coming on Wednesday. I think Hanoch Teller is stopping by Wednesday in our studio in, in New Jerusalem. So we already have a full show. And we'll continue on with our fundraiser in Israel and ask that everybody be as generous as possible as we get toward the end of the year. And we'll see how long it takes to get to our goal. Please, God. Um, so that's the story with that. So that's number one. That's number one. Number two is that um, is that we have a, we are we are spearheading. I mean, I mentioned this. I, we I shouldn't even say we. Stacy Siegel is spearheading an effort uh, to bring coats to um, Israel for those kids from the south who are now in Jerusalem in hotels and dormitories, etc. So we'll be bringing a tremendous number, thank God, thanks to your generosity and those uh, family and friends that contributed. Uh, We'll be bringing a whole host of those to uh, to Jerusalem on Wednesday, and we'll give you a full report on that. I'm I'm hoping to be in one of the hotels, hopefully on Wednesday, I hope, before the show. If not, uh, then, you know, at some point between Wednesday and Thursday and give you a perspective on those who have been away from their homes now for over two months and you may recall that when we did our first trip to Israel after the war we were warned from the residents the leaders of the residents of the south that they're going to be in Jerusalem for quite a while and sure enough as we know it looks like uh, that conjecture is coming true um, so we'll have a full report regarding that as well. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Guy, it's on the background. to our news from Israel coming up. Malcolm, home line at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Weekly update coming up. We'll go through some of the news of the week and more as we talk about this uh, this war that's taking some of our absolute best. In that way, very similar to other wars. In a lot of ways, it's not similar to other wars. Israel's made a commitment to, quote-unquote, finish this job, and may take a lot of time and a tremendous amount of effort and sacrifice in order to do that. Keep that in mind as you pray on this Zos Hanukkah. Galaitzal, the background to our news from Israel coming up. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos is next.
We say Boker Tov from Jam and Amp. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, שלום רב, באולפן גיא נובוטני עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בתום מסע אופנועים שערך הבוקר, מורן אלוני, שאחיותיו ובנותיהן ממשפחת אלוני קוניו חזרו מהשבי, קורא היום בהצהרה להשבת יתר החטופים ובכללם יתר בני משפחתו למתווה חדש. כתבנו אילי זילברברג שמע אותו. אנחנו צריכים מתווה לעוד עסקה. עכשיו, מתווה ישראלי, מתווה בינלאומי. אנחנו כל יום שומעים על עוד נרצח מהחטופים. אם לפני... חודשיים אמרנו שהזמן אוזל, הנה ההוכחה. אנחנו מבקשים ודורשים עסקה עכשיו. אלפים השתתפו היום בהלווייתו של טל חיימי מניר יצחק בחלקה הצבאית של בית העלמין ברביבים. טל חיימי הותיר אחריו אישה ושלושה ילדים קטנים. אלה חיימי, אלמנתו, נפרדה ממנו. אני מבטיחה לך מפה שזה יהיה בית שמח ומלא חיים. מקווה שאצליח לעמוד במשימה הקשה שהוטלה עליי ושתהיה גאה בי, כי אני גאה בך כל כך. עינב, ניר ואודי, אבא שלכם נהרג כאשר עשה את מה שאהב והאמין בו יותר מכל. הוא הגן עלינו ועל הקיבוץ. הקיבוץ בו גדל והקים משפחה. הוא לא היסס לרגע כשיצא באותו בוקר מהבית. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שבלהבים מתקיימת בשעה זו הלווייתו של סמל רון שרמן שצה"ל חילץ את גופתו בן לאלכס ומעיין אח בוגר של דן ועדן הוא בוגר מסלול הווטרינריה בבית הספר אשל הנשיא הוריו בעלי מרפאה וטרינרית בבאר שבע ולהבים בשעה האחרונה הובא למנוחות גם אליאטו לדנו בן 28 שנחטף מהמסיבה ברעים ונטמן בבית העלמין באלעד יהי זכרם ברוך צה"ל השלים גל תקיפות חריג של תשתיות טרור של חמאס בגבול בין עזה למצרים עם הפרטים כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון דורון קדוש על אף הרגישות מול הצד המצרי, חיל האוויר ביצע גל תקיפות נגד אתרים צבאיים, עמדות שמירה, עמדות תצפית וחדרי פיקוד ושליטה של חמאס בגבול בין רצועת עזה למצרים. האתרים שהותקפו סייעו למאמצי הברחות האמל"ח שהוביל חמאס דרך הגבול. בצה"ל אומרים כי התקיפות נועדו גם למנוע הברחות נוספות וגם למנוע גזלת ציוד הומניטרי שנכנס ממעבר רפיח לידי חמאס. אפשר להעריך כי גל התקיפות יצא לפועל בתיאום עם המצרים. בצפון, של חיל האוויר תקף מחבל שפעל בשטח לבנון סמוך למרחב זרעית. מדובר צעה נמסר כי במהלך הבוקר כוחותינו תקפו שני מחבלים חמושים שפעלו בשטח לבנון סמוך למרחב ירון. עוד בחדשות, ירידה חדה מהצפוי במדד המחירים לצרכן. ב-12 החודשים האחרונים עלה מדד המחירים לצרכן ב-3% ועשירית, ובנובמבר נרשמה ירידה של 3 עשיריות האחוז במדד. הנתונים שפורסמו היום מביאים את האינפלציה בארץ קרוב לטווח היעד של בנק ישראל, וייתכן שהם יעודדו הורדת ריבית בעוד כשבועיים. מחירי הדירות נותרו ללא שינוי בין החודשים ספטמבר ואוקטובר. ברמה השנתית מחירי הדירות ירדו ב-1.3 עשיריות. ידיעה שריכזו כתבנו ישראל פישר ועינב קרנר. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע בהיר עד מעונן חלקית, הטמפרטורות תהיינה רגילות לעונה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת מקץ, בירושלים שלוש דקות לפני ארבע, בתל אביב בארבע ושמונה עשרה דקות, בחיפה בארבע וחמש דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע ועשרים. ואלה זמני יציאת השבת מחר, בירושלים בחמש ושבע עשרה דקות, בתל אביב בחמש ושמונה עשרה דקות, בחיפה בחמש ושש עשרה דקות, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר בחמש ותשע עשרה דקות. לכל מאזיננו, שבת שלום. Sometimes when you're feeling all alone, you need some happiness to call your own. 
Oh, nothing is going the way it should You're trying to do the best you could Lift up your eyes to the sky Your life's in His hands Trust in Him and He will reply Guiding all your steps Always at your side You are His joy and pride And don't you know You're never alone It doesn't matter where you are There's nothing in His eyes More special than you Oh, wherever you go Hashem goes with you Sometimes when you're feeling all alone You need some happiness to call your own Oh, nothing is going the way it should You're trying to do the best you could Lift up your eyes to the sky Your life's in His hands Trust in Him and He will reply Guiding all your steps Always at your side Ich 
JM and the AM. Sorry about that. We've <laughs> I've had, had some challenges on the musical transitions this morning, to say the least. JM and the AM, good morning. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Our uh, year-end campaign is in full swing. 40th anniversary campaign. FJBUnity.org. Again, FJBUnity.org. Be as generous as you can, and I thank you. Everything you give today is doubled. I'm hoping it'll be extended. But right now, through Hanukkah, everything you give today is doubled. Simple as that. Um, Svi Gluck is going to join us. We'll talk about Sunday and Monday. He'll join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Just giving him a final reminder on that. And uh, that's the Amudim event, Unite to Heal. That's the Amudim event. Looking forward to starting it off on Sunday and wrapping it up on Monday night. Then Tuesday, we head to Israel after JM and the AM. Wednesday, JM and the AM from Jerusalem. Make sure to be tuned in. It's going to be an important show that I can guarantee you. We already have a great lineup for Wednesday. Thursday, we also have a very special lineup. Oh, gosh, we got a lot of stuff going on. We really do a lot of stuff going on, I must say. Baruch Hashem. Um, the, uh, Harry Rothenberg has something to say regarding Parshas Mikates, as you would suspect. Harry's words are brought to you each week in honor of a speedy recovery, a refuah shlema bakaro for our dear friend Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Keep her in mind. She deserves uh, a full, speedy recovery, and let's continue to pray for it. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Miketz, JM in the AM. This week in the Haftorah, we read a very famous story. King Solomon is judging a case between two mothers. They each recently gave birth, one of the babies died. Now they're in front of him with one living baby, and each one claims that the living baby is hers and the dead baby belonged to the other woman. King Solomon says, go fetch me a sword, we're gonna cut the baby in half. One woman yells out, no, give the living baby to her, don't kill the baby. The other woman says, neither one of us is gonna get the baby, cut. And King Solomon says, the one who said, don't kill the baby, she's the mother, give it to her. And everybody there marvels at his incredible wisdom that he figured out this test in order to decide which one was the real mother. But I ask you, why is that story so unbelievably famous? I get it, it was wise, but why is it that everyone knows this story? Certainly everyone who negotiates on a regular basis has either heard or used the term, let's split the baby in half. Maybe because King Solomon was telling us that is how you act when you're in a financial dispute. Give in, compromise, meet in the middle, split the baby in half. And so ironically, that baby that he didn't end up splitting resulted since then in millions of babies being split in half during negotiations every day. He's telling us it's a wonderful thing to do. When there's an argument to be made, as there so often is, give in. You'll feel so much better about yourself. You'll be able to tamp down your baser emotions, that desire to not give in an inch. Think about how we're born, a baby with those clenched fists. But then at the time when we pass on, those hands are open. Can't take it with you anyway. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine told me that he got himself involved in 
trying to mediate a dispute between two people. Not a lot at stake. One of them felt that the other one owed him about $500 or some damage. The guy felt he didn't owe him anything. He said, what do you think? I said, why don't you go to the guy that has the claim against him and say, look, I don't know if I could convince him, but if I can, would you be willing to pay half? And then if he says yes, which hopefully he will, go to the other guy and say, look, I don't know if I could get it, but suppose I could get half from him. Would you take half and see if he could make peace, make shalom between these two guys? He's okay, I'm gonna try. Calls me a couple days later. He says, I went to the first guy. And I said, listen, I know you don't wanna give in an inch, not a penny, but if I could possibly convince him to take half, would you be willing to pay it? And reluctantly, grudgingly, you could feel the pain as he said it. <sighs> if I have to, I'll pay half. Great. Then he went to the other guy and said, listen, I don't know that I can convince him. You know he doesn't want to pay a penny, but suppose I could convince him to meet you halfway, split the baby. Would you be willing to take half? And he said, not a penny less. I'm not giving in. All right. He didn't get that one done. I didn't get that one done, but I'm not giving up. He's not giving up and you shouldn't give up. When you're in one of those situations, try to show the other person, I disagree with you. I don't think you have a valid argument but willing to meet you halfway. Let's go get King Solomon's sword and let's cut the baby in half. And if you do that, don't be surprised if somehow, some way, God makes that money up to you.
J.M. in the A.M. with Simcha Liner and Aisha Schail here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. By the way, we have amazing weekend programming, as you know, uh, here at the Nahum Siegel Network. One of the things we're very, very proud of. And um, this weekend, in addition to everything that you would expect uh, during our weekend programming, uh, Matis Weingas is going to be featuring a conversation with some special guests. Uh, Matis has announced that this coming Sunday, he'll be speaking to a duo of authors uh, who are responsible for the book Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, 
Fitness and a Holy Life from Alexander Seinfeld and Dr. Daniel Grove with an afterword by Rabbi Ben-Zion Schaefer are all part of this work. It's the, um, the book is entitled Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life. Uh, Mata speaks with both authors during JM Sunday this coming Sunday. JM Sunday airs between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time this and every Sunday, and I can't thank Matis enough for a live presentation of JM Sunday. Excuse me, each and every week. <laughs> I thank him very, very much for that. Uh, before the Simcha Liner uh, song, you heard Gadi Fuchs with Manucha Simcha. Speaking of programming, 10 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time, I know it'll be Shabbos already in Israel, but it won't be Shabbos uh, in many parts of the diaspora. It is the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the, it's, it, it's, it's the Arab Shabbos show hosted by Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And that's 10 a.m. Eastern time, followed by our Arab Shabbos music mix, our final hour, all brought to you by Kedem, all through the day here at the Nahum Siegel Network. One of the things you can rely on, just ask listener Danny, he'll tell you. Listener Danny will reaffirm. He'll affirm and then reaffirm this. Now, one of the most reliable things about a Friday Erev Shabbos is our incredible Friday Erev Shabbos programming right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It's a Zos Hanukkah morning here at JM in the AM, eighth day of Hanukkah. I hope your Chag was uplifting. It's hard these days. The Chag is, uh, is something whose joy and ritual cannot be compromised. But when our brothers and sisters are being held in captivity, and when our IDF soldiers are going through all that they are going through, defending the land of Israel, the state of Israel, and the Jewish people around the world, it's sometimes hard to... Uh, fully enjoy the Chag, but nonetheless, I hope you've been able to, to whatever degree you can, and um, now we move on next week, a week from today, it'll be Asar Bateves, we're broadcasting from Israel Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week, join us everybody, hope to have some very special guests, interesting conversations to say the least, and um, that's all going to be happening again. That's all going to be happening again Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week. Those of you who have not yet supported our year-end campaign, today is the final day of Hanukkah, and all through Hanukkah, every do- I mean, I'm hoping it'll be extended, but who knows? Every donation will be matched. Every donation is being matched. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. I want to thank Anonymous, who just gave 10 times high, which means it's really 20 times high, and now we're over 61,000. I'd love to get to 65,000 today, even though we really did achieve our goal for today already because uh, I was going to announce 60,000, and then we did so well overnight, which was pretty amazing, so thank you. Let's see if we can get to 65. And remember, every single dollar you give is being matched today. Every single dollar you give is being matched today. Keep that in mind. Um, Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. He's uh, vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents, and he'll be with us just a few minutes from now for our weekly update. Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up. Rabbi Tzvi Gluck coming up. We've got the big Unite to Heal event 
on Sunday and Monday, so we'll talk about that. And, of course, much, much more, as you would suspect. After all, that's what we're about here at JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Much, much more. We give you tremendous value for your dollar, I must say. Brand new, Yoel David Goldstein, JM in the AM.
השם רואי. לאי 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 יחזור השם רואי. לאי 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 יחזור השם רואי. Hashem Thank <laughs> you. 
Brand new with Naftali Kempa and Lachado D here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, the uh, Yoel David Goldstein selection, Ms. Marla David, that is a brand new one here at JM in the AM. Our year end campaign uh, continues uh, in celebration of our 40th anniversary. Remember, everything donated today for JM and the AM, the Nahum Siegel Network, the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Everything donated today is going to be matched by our matchers. The list of our matchers is there on the site, full disclosure. Um, go to fjbunity.org and support. All the work we do, we are going to be heading to Israel Tuesday after JM and the AM, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week, live from Jerusalem. Uh, that's right, even Asar Bateves, live from Jerusalem. Um, this bridge between Israel and diaspora will continue to be strong. We need your financial assistance to keep it that way. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Every dollar is doubled today until the end of the holiday of Hanukkah. Hopefully I'll hopefully we'll be able to extend that, but right now that's that's our thing is that it goes through Hanukkah every dollar doubled. Uh keep in mind our friends at Jewishworldreview.com, Jewishworldreview.com. If you're looking for thousands of articles to catch up on what's happening in Israel in the Jewish world, check out the website, print them out before Shabbos and enjoy. Go to Jewishworldreview.com, become more and more educated about uh, what's happening in this amazing world of ours. Malcolm Holmline is in Israel. That's always an extra treat for us uh, when we speak with him on a Friday morning. He's in the Holy Land. Pretty amazing. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's always good to be with you, especially as I look out on the old city of Jerusalem and wish everybody could be here. Oh, amen to that. There are a lot of people in Israel who wish all of us could be there. Uh, I would imagine that uh, the tourism industry, which may not be as 
important to Israel as some of us in the diaspora think it is, because I understand that uh, to us it's always a big focus, but in Israel it's just one part of the whole economic picture. But I would assume that if it was active and if it was the way it was about a year ago, it would be much better for thousands and thousands of people. A good message to keep in mind, Mr. Honline, as people wonder whether they should be traveling to Israel now during this time. You would say now is as good as ever, if not better than ever, to travel to Israel? For, for many reasons. One, uh, the weather is beautiful here today. I'm in Jerusalem. It's gorgeous. Uh, the sun is out. And it's um, and it was beautiful yesterday as well. I'm here at the Inbal Hotel, I know your favorite, and it's packed. There are so many groups here. It's Jews. There are even Christian groups. Uh, and there's a, a community from uh, Kiryat Shimona who who were displayed, who were forced to leave, and they're here. Uh, but the hotel is full of American tourists and Europeans and others. The, all the hotels are similarly uh, reporting the same that people are coming mostly on solidarity missions to express it physically their commitment, as people have done financially and with Chesed, with so many other ways. But there's nothing that replaces being here and helping and to make sure that um, the workers uh, have an income again. They went for many months, very difficult months, and there's so many who uh, are facing difficulties. 20% of the workforce is in the army, um, and many businesses have been sidelined because of the war. So whatever we can do to help economically is really vital. And uh, as you know, we've spent a lot of time at the Inbal Hotel over the last couple of months, including starting this coming Wednesday, please God. And if there's one thing the people from Kirich Mona have said to me, it's that they every day they struggle with the decision about whether to go back or not because they their lives and their livelihood is up north, obviously. And for those who would be allowed to go back, again, depending on Army restrictions, permission, etc., they struggle every day with that question. That's just one of the so many things that our brothers and sisters in Israel are struggling with. Um, something to keep in mind as we continue to... Uh, to live this life on this side of the world. By the way, you're in Israel, and I'm sorry for doing this because most people would think, especially after we didn't speak last week, that I'd start with news in Israel. But I, I got to get your reaction to what happened before last Friday. Um, I mean, we've spoken to a few people on the air, some in the area of education, about this uh, episode. But I need your reaction, as do many of our listeners, based on their uh, uh, communications with me, to the congressional hearing that took place about 10 days ago uh, and that featured so to speak three of the top um, academic leaders in this country we're talking about the presidents of harvard mit and penn we need your reaction what did you think well i think that um, jewish organizations ought to be honoring the three presidents and paying tribute to them uh, and before people go crazy with that, uh, let me just say that I think <laughs> I think so because they did more to wake people up to the reality wow. of what we are facing than any other person that I know or people that I know. That many who were skeptical, and you know that I've been preaching this for more than a decade, warning about this the rise of anti-Semitism. It's not something that just happened, <clears throat> but we're seeing this rapid. Uh, expansion and increasing virulence of the anti-Semitism. 
But that hearing, which was seen many, many millions of times, maybe even hundreds of millions of times, brought home to many people, Jews and non-Jews alike, the reality of what is happening to American society and particularly what's happening on American campuses. When the three presidents, and this was not picked up in the media reports by and large, uh, were asked, do you recognize Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state? And they said, finally, that they recognize Israel's right to exist, but none of the three would say as a Jewish state. Wow. Then, of course, came the answer about context and whether the calls for genocide violated their standards. But that first answer, which to me was equally telling, uh, but the, so I think, number one, it it brought to to stark reality, it brought the stark reality home to many people. Uh, I can see from the calls that we've gotten and from the reactions I get, people are now questioning where they can send their kids to school. The reality of Harvard, which has been ranked as the lowest on the scale of, of free speech and has long had a reputation for, for the anti-Semitism. Um, I think for many, Penn was a surprise to see it, but but the fact is that on campus there have been problems. Uh, but across the country, we are having and experiencing these anti-Semitic incidents. People you know, know about the individual things, but this brought it together for them. And I think the actions of, of Ackman, and the cutting of financial support, Harvard has $50 billion in its endowment. But when they lose a billion dollars of donations of cash that they're ready to, to use for their media programs and stuff, even for them it hurts. But certainly it hurt at Penn when Mark Rowan and others and, and bringing home the message that we're not going to support institutions. Many of them, their buildings of these three places bear the names of, of members of the Jewish community who were extremely generous to them. And hopefully there will be a, a, a reawakening. And you see that YU does not have an empty class. Uh, uh, President Berman has told me and uh, an empty seat in the classrooms. Uh, more and more people are going to come to recognize that we're going to need the places that are safe. I saw Catholic universities that were advertising or as making you know public uh, appeals to Jewish students saying that they would guarantee them a safe environment because, you know, they're not beset by this um, DEI and, and woke culture and the permissiveness of, uh, of the campuses allowing the anti-Semitic incidents that have been going on for a long time. The A.E. Pi homes, houses on a lot of campuses have been attacked over the years, and I reported it on the program. But I know people were skeptical, and some people even came to me and were critical, and they're saying, you know, you talk about the anti-Semitism, it's depressing, it's not... It's not depressing. What's happening now is depressing. What? And it's because we didn't do enough about it. Why do you think the action was so different? What, what Was the Penn situation the exception to the rule? Really, the Board of Trustees and the administration of these schools were not going to release anybody. We're not going to hold any of them accountable with their jobs, with their positions. But Penn was, was the exception, or do you view it differently? Why was the action so different, what Penn did, compared to the others? Well, I'm not sure we're going to know about the others. MIT's board voted to support the president, I think, in the Harvard case. And, you know, the president of Harvard went to the Chabad menorah lighting last night. Uh, I'm sure we'll take other advantage of other opportunities to try and, and show that uh, their views are not reflected in what she said there. But others say that 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 that, that is not the case. And now the charges of her plagiarism 
and other things that will come up. So I don't know that in the long term, her tenure won't come to uh, an end. But right. it, it, it has shaken up the other universities. And the fact that right. Penn and the new president, the new chairman of Penn is a very active Jewish leader and comes from a very committed Jewish family, a Baron family who supported YU and many other institutions over the years. And she is the, the president of the Jewish Federation of North America, amongst other things. Uh, I think that the, the, the resignation of the chairman who backed the president really unconditionally was a necessary step as well. And there again, I think that the reaction of the donors, the uh, the statements that they made, and the fact that they were willing to go public. You know, often we've had letters written to presidents of universities, but people were hesitant right. to, to challenge him. This right. time, they went public. And, you, and I think the other thing that really works is when students started losing their job offers from law firms, for right. instance. What? And when they started, and when employers started asking for the names of those who signed these awful petitions, it doesn't mean that they can't be critics and they can't have differences of opinions. Right. You know, people are distorting the nature of this debate. That's not what it's about. What? This is challenging Israel's right to exist and cross the line quickly into blatant anti-Semitism. What an important distinction you make. What an important distinction you make, because you've seen for so many decades a lot of this activity behind the scenes, quietly, uh, letter writing, people getting contacted by others, but here it's all being played out literally in the public eye, the one big, gigantic public eye. That's such an important distinction. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, okay, a couple other things on, uh, regarding this, then we'll get, of course, to Israel, which is the most important. Um, you've always stressed to us that despite everything going on, even in the current situation, congressional support is as strong as ever. American support, you've stressed on this show, is strong, right? Percentages in polls that still support Israel, etc. However, Look at what's happening with those under 30. Is that frightening to you that those polls do not reflect the same type of support for Israel that we've been used to over the years? Frightening, but not surprising. We've seen this trend, and these are, this is the generation, A, that knows no history. If you ask them what river and what sea they want to be free, none of them, the vast majority of those polled, who have participated in demonstrations don't know. Right. They've done everything from the Nile River to the Atlantic Ocean to everything as was in their answers. They don't know. They don't know the history. They have no background. History has been forgotten. You know, history starts yesterday or whenever it's convenient for the particular argument that's put forward. They don't know. And, and therefore, they fall victim to, to the lies, the distortions about who really subjugates the people in Gaza and everywhere else, that the billionaire leaders sit in, in Gaza, in um, Qatar and in, live in luxury. And their, their people suffer in, in Gaza because of, of the kleptocracy and the billions of dollars in aid that they get gets, um, you know, pocketed. And then you see the food aid going on, going in gets hijacked by Hamas uh, terrorists and, and the people don't benefit from it. So, number one, we have a generation that has no sense of history and no context that are easily persuaded by some influencer or uh, source on the Internet uh, who, who, who puts forward these lies and claims and you can distort and misrepresent anything. Even if they correct it, by the time you correct it, the lie is already spread around the world several times. Yeah. And we see that six months later it gets recirculated and then again and again and again, even in some ludicrous cases uh, that we've seen, you know, about uh, some of the reports. And, and no matter how often they're debunked, it doesn't help. 
So that that's one. Two, that the people who knew, who lived through World War II, who know the history of Israel, remember 1948, 67, 73, the older people, so support is solid. And, and American people across the board, all faiths, all races, uh, it's a majority of support. But as you get younger, it becomes the, the in thing. It's a vogue. It become Israel becomes the target. Those who hate America go against Israel. Those who hate God go against Israel. It's it's a way for them to protest and to advocate their communist or bigoted, extreme left, extreme right, Islamist ideologies become the the Israel becomes the focal point for their protests. So we are seeing the results now of years of indoctrination. The fact that we have disclosed and seen disclosed the only part yet of the degree to which Qatar and others have influenced through billion-dollar contributions. Maybe $13 billion that's already been accounted for, but I will bet it'll prove to be double that. And then came from other sources as well where they influence directly the curriculum. Because we know there's a direct correlation between foreign funding and the rise of anti-Semitism on campuses. Mm. The young people today are all victims of that culture where they were trained, where they were taught, they were told in classes and they could say the most horrific things. And when we protested, universities say, well, it's freedom of speech, academic freedom. Now, for the first time, and again, why this thing with the three presidents was so important is that it busted that balloon that no longer could they simply hide behind that, you know, ivory tower and claim immunity from any criticism. Yeah, excellent point. Um, should we be concerned that the families of hostages were not invited to the White House Hanukkah celebration? No, they had a meeting with the president. I think that that was important. Um, I mean, it would have been a nice gesture, I guess so. But uh, I think much more important is that they had the opportunity to talk to the president one-on-one and to make the case for increased efforts. There are still a lot of Americans amongst those that are being held. As you know, they recovered one body. Um, and the estimate is that there may be as many as 20 dead, but the rest are believed to be alive. And we have to continue to expend every effort possible to bring them home now, every one of them, without exception. And that uh, I think Israel remains committed. We know there are some talks going on behind the scenes, supposedly, uh, whether they were broken off today or not, uh, I haven't confirmed. But, uh, you know, the Hamas will, will just continue to exploit this for as long as they can. They don't care about their soldiers being killed or people being killed. They value death, not life. Israelis, of course, will do anything for to return those people alive, short of committing suicide, which is what the world is demanding of them when they say that they want an immediate ceasefire or... or um, uh, you know, uh, uh, permanent ceasefire right now without the complete removal of Hamas. It's not what any Arab leader wants. It's not what any Israeli leader could tolerate. For the sake of the region, the sake of the world, Hamas has to be completely defeated. Yeah, no question about that. Um, obviously, tremendous concern for the hostages. Uh, before you just said what you said, where you said the 
believed to be 20, the others still alive. I was starting to think that one of the reasons that negotiations had broken off and that they really, you know, have not taken advantage of what another pause would give them and we know would be a big advantage for the enemy. I was thinking, God forbid, that there are a lot more who are, who are not with us anymore than are with us. But at this point, you're saying that the majority of the hostages, according to all sources, is that the majority of them are, thank God, still around. Are believed to be alive and around. We we don't have any hard evidence. There's there's the testimony of the people who who were allowed to leave, um, which helped them, and they they were um, uh, they collected a lot of data from the stuff that they found, the information they found in the uh, um, tunnels, and the intelligence that they were able to get off of a lot of the computers and the cams, which show people, you know, when they're um, that were alive. Nobody knows today what the real numbers are, but the assumption, this is what I was told, is the operating assumption right now. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at AlchemSingle.com and the AlchemSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app where listeners supported. Don't forget, today, everything you give uh, at fjbunity.org is doubled for Hanukkah. fjbunity.org, a matching grant awaits you. And thank you for your generosity, fjbunity.org. You obviously take it, Malcolm Honline with us, Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents. You obviously take advantage of every connection you have, I'm sure, um, in terms of uh, trying to advocate for the hostages specifically, obviously for Israel in general and its goals in this war. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're in touch with people you know at the UN constantly about this. Have you had any conversation, not a criticism one way or the other, because I don't know who you know and who you don't know. I'm just curious. Have you had any conversations or interaction with Red Cross officials, anybody who's a higher up who could possibly explain their behavior or lack of behavior in this situation? We and others have been constantly in touch with the Red Cross, demanding that they gain access. They say that they, you know, that they're not allowed to have access to it. Um, they they claim some reports here and there. That doesn't stop them from criticizing Israel and claiming accepting the other claims that the terrorists put forward. Uh, and the whole media buys into it. Nobody knows the real numbers. And uh, included in all of those numbers are a, a, a vast number of terrorists who they count as civilian casualties. Um, so the answer is the Red Cross has a long history in this regard. We've had many difficulties with them. Uh, at times they render important services, but I have to say that in this case, as in others, they uh, have proved to be uh, toothless and uh, if anything, even a negative uh, player at times. Absolutely amazing. Um, all right. We, we could talk about multiple fronts, God forbid, and more being added to the war. Um, what could you tell us about what's happening now up north? Uh, we wonder why the enemy has not started. God forbid that we should give them that suggestion, but you get my point. Uh, what's happening up north? And as we continue to hear and read about the activities of the Israeli defense forces in Jenin, what about the West Bank area? What about Judea and Samaria and the potential that the enemy there has the same type of arsenals that we've seen in Gaza? So uh, let's do for the, the Lebanon first. It's a very critical thing. And, and as you see, the active activation of Iranian-backed groups, which I've talked about here for a long time, about the ring around Israel from the Houthis 
to Gaza, to Lebanon, to Syria, to Iraq. And of course, Iran is the fulcrum of the whole thing. This is their setup. Uh, and we saw active, some activities based from Syria. Uh, and Lebanon um, has been uh, a forefront. They, the Hezbollah has a tremendous amount of power. As you know, people forget that um, uh, the Resolution 1701, which led to Israel's withdrawal from Lebanon, was based on the assumption and the commitment that they that Hezbollah would be held north of the Latani River. Uh, which would be a natural barrier. And in fact, the UN forces job was to first and foremost to keep them out of the area near Israel's border. Not only did they not keep them out, they don't, don't keep out the transfer of weapons, including rockets. It's estimated 150,000 rockets in the hands of, of Hezbollah, many of them more sophisticated than what we've seen till now. We've seen them shooting the RPGs and and doing some damage. Most about 65,000 residents of Israel's north have been removed to places like Jerusalem and elsewhere. Uh, the the activities have been limited on both sides. Israel responds to provocations and the attacks that have come from Lebanon. We know that Lebanon, uh, Hezbollah rather, had an identical attack plan. Uh, in in mind in place for as they did in in Gaza, including breaching the barriers. Uh, they of course built these immense tunnels uh, to enter Israel. The goal was to to destroy and kill everybody on two bases near the Lebanon border, and to to kidnap people and bring them back to uh, to Lebanon. So the the their potential is very great. We believe that Iran does not want to risk. The destruction of their whole capacity, as you know, many of the rockets are in civilian homes in southern Lebanon, which means that you would have to have wholesale uh, carpet bombing of areas and uh, destruction of the of the infrastructure that supports uh, uh, Hezbollah. And Hezbollah today is part of the government of Lebanon, and therefore, in, 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 in the whole in the infrastructure of the whole country is is at the disposal of, of Hezbollah, despite sometimes efforts of the Lebanese army to assert the separation. But we know that where the power base is, uh, I think that the the attacks now are meant to send a message. There were meetings before, for in the weeks before the attack on October 7th between Iranian Hezbollah and Hamas leaders in Lebanon. Um, and I mentioned it and said, I wonder what they're doing. This is highly unusual. Well, we know what they were doing. They are coordinating. They are working together. Uh, we believe that Hamas is setting up their own group inside Lebanon. They've already had offices there and and people operating in Lebanon, but now it looks like they're setting up their own independent operation there. Uh, So the Lebanese situation is a tinderbox. It could be set off. If you remember, not long ago, Israel agreed to a deal which would have let Lebanon begin exploration for oil and gas off the coast. And rather than do that, they're engaging still in the in the military exploits at the cost of the people of Lebanon and and uh, its freedom. It's it, the country is in devastated uh, situation. Its economy is in ruins, and th- this becomes a diversion also for for Hezbollah <clears throat> for the anger of the Lebanese people against them in the West Bank. The reason we haven't had more, uh, I think, activity. And I think I pointed this out right after the attack was that the the Israelis moved preemptively over the last months in 
the West Bank, remember when they went into Janine with yeah. a couple thousand soldiers and the world was critical? They were cleaning up. They were they prevented what could have been a huge attack, uh, an ongoing attack based on the infrastructure that existed just in Janine alone with the uh, arms factories, the, the weapons caches, the, the so much stuff that they had there. And the forces, they've, they've arrested many, many people, including this past week, hundreds of them, terrorists, uh, members of Hamas. And they they have been doing so systematically for a while. And I think that is what has prevented uh, an, um, a much more of a threat, an active threat coming from uh, from you know, Judea and Samaria against uh, against Israel. Uh, they, they are Hamas is today much more popular than Fatah is. And if there were an election, the Hamas would win easily. The, uh, the you know the Fatah is seen and Abbas is seen as an old doddering guy who can't deliver for anything for the people. <clears throat> and we could see you know that area continue to eat, but I think the continuing raids and arrests that are going on are really paying off. And maybe had we seen that kind of preventative action in Gaza. You might not have had what happened. By the way, uh, Malcolm, I, I, I know it's an issue in Israel, and those, you know, well, some will get the reference if they've been following the news. Walking, an IDF soldier walking into a mosque and screaming Shema Yisrael into a microphone heard by the enemy. It, 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 we have to remember it's the, the only, strength is the only language they understand. So I I understand that not everybody's being tolerant of what the soldier did, but but you have to admit that if strength is the only thing they understand, the impact of that act goes so far. Would you agree or not? I think that the um, you know planting of flags on top of buildings and stuff sometimes you know get, communicates the wrong impression and enables them to exploit it by just reproducing the picture and adding their own headlines <clears throat> saying that you know Israel is announcing that they're conquering it they're never going to leave they're taking it etc so i think that yeah there has to be care because of how it's manipulated and how the press misreports what what actually took place in many of these instances and the uh, manipulation of of actions like this that, um, you know, this is a serious war and these guys have been fighting amazingly against overwhelming odds. When you look at the at the terrible infrastructure that they're facing, you know, they're, they're, the underground tunnels are are bigger and longer than the London Metro. I mean, people don't understand it's 500 miles and the water that they're pouring into them, by the way, is working. Oh, and really? I think we may see an expansion of that. But I think the the um, you know they have to be careful when we see the, by, by the message they're sent and about how it can be exploited in the rest of the Arab world about what Israel's intention is and and you know how they're conducting this war with such care and with respect for the holy places. But the holy places are being used for, as launching grounds yeah. and as storage facilities, etc. They no longer have protection when they when they have been seconded to the army to the armed forces. So what do you think of the images that go around the world of uh, arrested terrorists who are stripped in order to make sure they don't have suicide belts on them? I don't know why we have to have the pictures, frankly, except to send a message to the other Hamas terrorists that, 
you know, guys, the things are collapsing around you. It's time to give it up. And hopefully that they hoping that they will get the message about it. <clears throat> As you know, that uh, not only there, but also in Janine, there was a, a lot of surrendered, but many hundreds in the hospitals and all the other facilities have have turned themselves in. And then they are a question and valuable information has gotten from them. Uh, I don't know that that having them march in, the, in their underwear, which was seen as a humiliation, uh, in much of the Arab world uh, without knowing the background that these guys know to take off their pants because so many of them do carry suicide belts right, and, or, or uh, other weapons. and weapons. Yeah. Um, the only, you mentioned Fatah earlier and, of course, Mahmoud Abbas and the administration. It looks like the world, uh, Washington, um, others, are not going to accept any type of day-after resolution except for the PA taking over Gaza. Now, to us, I think, I think if I re- read you correctly, um, you know, it's, it's the best of all the horrible decisions about what to do going forward. How, as this war goes on, is Israel going to be able to diplomatically convince the West that they've got the situation under control and keep Gaza out of the hands of terrorists? The answer is that Israel just has to do what it has to do. It, it can't play to the headlines and it can't play to, to the whims. It has to take into account the messages that it receives from the United States and others. American aid is vital to, to this war effort. Uh, there's $14 billion now on the table for, for Israel. But you saw the shipment that uh, was done as an emergency shipment the past week of $100 million worth of tank shells and other equipment that Israel vitally needs. So while Israel has to pursue its national interests and its security interests, it also has to be mindful of and take into account the considerations. And we saw the visit this week of of the um, National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, and General Austin, the the, um, the Secretary of Defense, will be coming in a couple days from now. There have been a series of visits and phone calls between the President and Prime Minister and many others, uh, Blinken's visits. So they're keeping the lines of communication open. I think John Kirby's statement, statements as spokesperson have been remarkably uh, clear, clear and, and um, precise with def- and defining Israel's case uh, about what Israel's done, even saying this week that he doesn't know that America would have gone as far as Israel's done to protect civilian casualties. But the pressure is on from inside the political realms in America and from outside. I think that, um, you know, they need at least till the end of January for the heavy stuff and then to to clean up operations. It's not going to be able to stop and stopping prematurely assures them if Sinair and the others can just walk out and declare victory the day after. That will be terrible for America. It'll be terrible for all of our allies. It'll be terrible for the region and certainly for Israel. That's the point. So that, that's there's the, a balance that has to be struck here. Yeah. Now, that's the point that the prime minister's got to drive home to someone like President Biden. Um, leader of Hamas declaring victory would be <laughs> that that would be awful. Um the uh, with, with the with, with the congressional calendar, with the congressional schedule, and I apologize, I don't know the answer to this. Actually, I'm ashamed to a degree. I don't know the answer to this. This bill they keep talking about, uh, the aid package that links Ukraine with Israel, etc. What's the schedule? Is it is it now up for debate? Is it going to go soon to a vote? What's the story? Well. 
Unfortunately, I think that it's not likely to come up until after the recess, which just began. So it's not likely to be until later in January. They try to decouple it. You know, Israel, aid to Israel would pass immediately. Oh, wow. In a heartbeat, as you know, and the overwhelming vote in the House indicated that. And there would be overwhelming support in the Senate. Um, aid to Ukraine is not uh, popular in, in, in some quarters. And the demand uh, to tie also in the uh, revamping our policy and, and activities along the southern border as a security issue. Um, complicates it further. So I think that it's going to be very difficult to get a Senate vote on this. Um, and I guess that Israel can hold out till till um, mid-January. But this, these funds are vital to purchase additional equipment. This is not money that's going to come for social welfare in Israel. It's going to go to, to buying additional equipment and stuff that they need. And, uh, you know, and that the vast majority of Congress support. There are some who want to condition that aid. That would be a terrible precedent. I mean, only Israel can judge what it needs to do, when it needs to do it. And, you know, they're trying to to do what they can to protect civilian populations, even circulating the maps in advance. I mean, the world forgets all the steps that Israel takes. It doesn't carpet bomb areas and they abort flights when they see civilians. But are civilians going to be killed when they're being used as human shields? Yes. And the, the one to blame for that is Hamas. So punishing Israel by, by uh, because we can't reach an agreement on the aid to Ukraine or aid or the policy on the southern border is unfortunate. But it's right now the political reality. Yeah, it's an unfortunate reality. Timing is everything, as they say. Next Friday, you're in Israel or back in the United States? Next Friday, I will be back in the United States. Uh, again, I want to urge everybody, if you're thinking of coming, come. If you have children studying here, learning here or not, if you want to just come and visit, it's beautiful here. They need to see us. There are, thank God, lots and lots of missions coming from all over the country, uh, Jews of every kind and non-Jews. And we have to continue to show that that's part of our responsibility to make our voices heard as well, to make sure that if you have kids on a campus, make their voices heard. The parents count as well as donors and, and alumni. Make your voices heard. That's our responsibility today. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Uh, enjoy Shabbat in Jerusalem and we'll speak, please, God, next week. John Willing, be well. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. If you appreciate segments like this and if you enjoy what we've been doing for 40 years at JM in the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, please remember that right now every dollar you give today at fjbunity.org is doubled. Every dollar you give today, fjbunity.org is doubled. Please give and please give generously. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week, we will be broadcasting from Jerusalem. Join us all the week long. Join us. But certainly those days as we broadcast from Jerusalem. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abel's and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954. That's right. There's 70th anniversaries coming up. And A&H products are available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. 
You'll be glad you didn't. As I always point out, that is an understatement. <laughs> this time each and every Friday, every Erev shop. Oh, and one other thing before we get to Rabbi Yudin. The young Israel Tamatora of Flatbush, uh, 1305 Coney Island Avenue between Avenues I and J. They have their uh, fall lecture series continuing. Uh, tomorrow night, it'll be the history and mystery of the Aleppo Codex by Dr. Richard Hittery. Starts at 815. Again, Young Israel Tamatora of Flatbush, 1305 Coney Island Avenue between Avenues I and J in Flatbush. Make sure to head on over there tomorrow night for that fascinating lecture. This time each every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. And a free Hanukkah, everybody. And today, before we get started with Parshas Miketz, tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Miketz. Today is the last day of Hanukkah, and because we read this morning the completion of all the korbanos that the Nesim, the princes, brought at the time of the dedication of the Mishkan in the desert, and there is that recapitulation of all the gifts, beginning with the words Zos Hanukkah. The day has the connotation and is called Zos Hanukkah, and especially in the Hasidic community, we find extensive writings on the power of this day. The Maral teaches that the number seven represents nature, seven days of the week, seven notes for music, seven wisdoms, and Hanukkah is eight days, because Hanukkah is the Malo Me'ateva, is beyond nature. And therefore, well, no wonder, number one, we, the, the few, as we've been saying throughout the week of Hanukkah, the few defeated the many, and the oil, a little bit of oil, as we know, burned for eight days, and therefore, if Hanukkah is teva, above and beyond the natural, phenomena of the world, the last day of Hanukkah is even higher because it is doubly eight, the eighth day of the eight days of Hanukkah. Shmini Shebeshminis. It's a day of miracles and they taught that even, quote, simple Jews, even though there's no such thing as a simple Jew, but even without the title Rebbe, can draw Yeshua's from this day. And clearly, all of us should take the time to, to today, not only as you did this morning in your tefillos, this afternoon when you dive in Mincha, but everybody should take time today for a few moments and say a few chapters of Tehillim on behalf of the Jewish people, specifically for the Chayolim, to daven for their safe return, to daven that they should have a speedy return, and that we should be Zolche to fulfill Timcha Ezecher Amalek, which is exactly what we are doing, defeating a people whose raison d'etre is 
Lo'alenu, to destroy Klal Yisrael. And through this, we should please God bring a beautiful act of Kiddush Hashem and sanctifying God's name throughout the world. Okay, let's get down to business. Parshas Miketz. In Parshas Miketz, in Perik Mem Aleph, right before we are taught that Yosef's brothers come down to Mitzrayim to buy food, we're taught that Yosef called the name of his firstborn son Menashe, because, as the Pasuk says, Kinashani Elukim is called Amali, is called Beis Ali, because Hashem has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's household. Now, the first explanation given by the Torah for the name is most understandable. Yosef, who encountered many challenging episodes, being sold, being accused falsely, being in jail, he uh, encounters trials, tribulations, it's understandable that he gives thanks to Hashem for enabling him to forget and create a family after all his setbacks. However, the second reason is most difficult to understand. What does it mean that Joseph gives thanks to Hashem for enabling him to forget his father's home? It is clear from the way our Chachamim understand the text of the Torah that Joseph never forgot his father, his household, and his roots. Proof in Parshas Vayeshev. Last week, when Yosef overcomes his natural temptation and flees from the advances of his master's wife, Rashi cites what gave Yosef the incredible strength to overcome the natural desires. And Rashi quotes the Tanhuma that it was the vision of his father, Yaakov, that enabled him to avoid sin. This shows that Yaakov still played a major role in his life. And similarly, in next week's Pasha, we are taught that when Yaakov sees the Agolos, the wagons that Yosef had sent to transport him down to Mitzrayim, the Torah says, Vatachi, Ruach, Yaakov, Abiyem, the spirit of Yaakov was revived. And the rabbis understand that the word agolos represents either sheish eglos tzav, which were the six wagons that the twelve princes of Israel donated to carry the Mishkan, as found in Parshas Noso, chapter 6, verse 3, or to remind Yaakov of the last Torah topic that they studied together, namely the laws of Egla Rufa, the incident of a murdered body found in Israel. Regardless, it shows one thing, that Yosef did not forget the Torah he learned in Yaakov's house, even after 22 years of separation. So how are we to understand the name Menashe to mean that Hashem helped Yosef forget his father's home? I'd like to share an explanation given by Reb Simcha Zisel Brody, Zechron Levracha, Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva's Chevron. He cites the Gemara in Baba Metziah, Pei Hei 
which teaches that when Reb Zeira, who studied in Bavel, decided to move and study in Eretz Yisrael under Reb Yochanan, he fasted 100 fasts to forget the Torah of Bavel, thereby enabling him excuse me, to more easily absorb the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. He did not literally forget the Babylonian Talmud, but was eager to absorb the new approach to Talmud Torah in Eretz Yisrael. Unlike the Babylonian Talmud, which is replete with arguments between the rabbis, the Jerusalem Talmud is significantly more devoid of friction between the scholars and more straightforward in the implementation and explanation of Jewish law. Reb Zeyra demonstrated the ability to adapt from one community to another. And at the end of Parshas Toldos, Yitzchak instructs Yaakov to leave his home, to leave the land of Israel, and marry one of his cousins, the daughters of his uncle Laban. There's a long Rashi on the closing verse in Toldos, which provides an extensive commentary that proves that between Yaakov's leaving home and arriving at uncle's home, there was a 14-year gap. And the rabbis attribute these 14 years to Yaakov's learning, having spent 14 years at the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. Now why was this detour necessary? So Yaakov Kamenevsky Zatzal, in his Emesli Yaakov, teaches that while Yaakov studied much Torah with his father, that was Torah appropriate for Eretz Yisrael. Now that Yaakov was going to Chutzla Eretz, he needed to study Torah that could be maintained in different surroundings and challenges, the Torah of Golos. It is this knowledge that our rabbis teach us that Yaakov taught his son Yosef. Indeed, this is why Yosef calls his son Menashe, listen carefully, as he was thanking Hashem for helping him forget the manner of observance in Eretz Yisrael and helping him adapt to his new challenge and surroundings. As Yosef adopted and forgot his previous lifestyle, it behooves us to unfortunately take a new look and re-examine what has been, for many, a normative behavioral pattern for almost a hundred years. I'm referring to the mode whereby many Jewish and even Torah-observant families enroll their college-age students in universities after high school. There, they receive higher education that enables them to advance both individually and to enrich society. The presence of nearby Chabad, Hillel, Shi'urim on many campuses has helped sustain and maintain a positive Jewish identification for numerous Jewish students throughout the country. However, ouch, since October 7th, there has been an immediate unleashing of anti-Israel, anti-Semitic pronouncements throughout much of the civilized world, especially on college campuses. 
but perhaps was always there beneath the surface of Esav, Sone, Liakov, and Esav, unfortunately, translating it literally, hates Yaakov, has now come out of the woodwork, making, on the one hand, Jewish students who have loyalty and devotion to Israel feel, unfortunately, either threatened or uncomfortable in their academic surroundings. Even worse, a great percentage of Jewish students who are themselves uneducated about the history of Israel, its values for human life, and its humanitarian gestures of urging civilians to leave Gaza and avoid being caught up in the military conflict. These students are subject to propaganda found both, unfortunately, in the classroom and in the student activities on campus. We have to learn from Yosef Hatzadik that what worked before might not work in the future. Jewish parents must come to realize the high cost we pay for free speech. They must be informed that there are valid Jewish alternatives to the present challenging secular college campuses, where in the name of free speech, a great disconnect can be created between our promising Jewish student population and our proud Jewish heritage. What is at stake on secular college campuses today is nothing less than the essence of our identity as the people of the book, risking the loss of a generation's connection to the profound and timeless wisdom that our sacred texts and tradition offer. May we learn the lesson of Yosef HaTzadik, and just as the Svas Emes understands that we just finished the mitzvah of Hanukkah, and for how long were the candles supposed to burn? So the literal translation is, and that's how we get to the half an hour that the candles are to burn, when people stopped walking in the street. There was no lights outside. When it was completely dark, that's when they lit the candles. However, the Svasemis understands Tichla Regel not just the word foot, but regilus, that which we are accustomed to. We are creatures of habit. This is what I did, this is what my grandfather did, and in many ways we are to continue. But one has to know that there are times that we have to start changing our attitude, our perspective, and that's what I pray we're going to learn from Miketz, from Yosef Atzadik, and mitzvah lefarsim. It's important to publicize this, just as we publicize the Hanukkah menorah. It's important to publicize this idea, especially to our not yet observant relatives, that they should know that having Jewish students on many secular college campuses 
is nothing less than a threat to the Jewish identity. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M. My thanks, of course, to Rabbi Yudin. I remind everybody in our audience that uh, now that we're doing this for 40 years, which is, every time I think about it, it's pretty amazing. Baruch Hashem, B'liayin Hara. Now that we're doing this for 40 years and we're on to our fifth decade, please keep in mind our fundraiser. Go to fjbunity.org for our 40th anniversary year-end fundraiser, fjbunity.org. I just heard from my good friend Morty Getz, which is so ironic because he's one of the people that had uh, years ago told us how effective the Amudim organization is, and Rabbi Gluck's going to join us in a minute. And Morty asked us to announce a $1,000 donation to JM and the AM and uh, the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Obviously, as we've been saying, on the holiday of Hanukkah, that is matched by our matchers. That is doubled. So that's a $2,000 donation for us, and it's so, so appreciated. Thank you, Morty. As I said to him in a text, he's never, ever let us down from the moment we've met him, and he's pretty amazing. Those of you who know, he's involved in so many other avenues of support for our amazing network. Um, also, I heard from Silky Pitterman, and her double high becomes four times high because of the matchers. And she gave in honor of Nahum Siegel for what he does for Klaistral, and in honor of baby Maishi Pitterman, the first named after her father. And I will tell you that Silky's father was an amazing man, and the Grunwald family is an amazing family. And by extension, the Pittermans, obviously, and, and all the other married daughters. And um, they all have incredible families. And uh, it's so meaningful to me that uh, that she gave and that uh, Claire and Claire's many, many generations of children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren continue to be dedicated to amazing Jewish causes. Call like a vote and thank you. Friday morning, JM in the AM, Arab Shabbos Parshas, Meekate's Candle Lighting in New York, 409. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Unite to Heal is the event. We are proud not only to remind everybody that Unite to Heal is going to dominate your online programming on Sunday and Monday of next week on behalf of Amudim. We're also proud to be a part of it. I'm going to actually uh, uh, take the privilege uh, that's been handed to me to start the uh, 36 hours of Unite to Heal, uh, 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. It's 9 a.m. Eastern time. And I will please God uh, also um, humbly take the helm starting at 6 p.m. Monday night for the final three hours of the 36-hour Unite to Heal event. Amudim is vital, as Yummy said to us yesterday, but now they are more vital than ever for our worldwide community. Um, I, I hope that we, in these few minutes, the right Svig Luck can cover most of what they do, especially during this very, very sensitive time in the Jewish world. Rabbi Svig Gluck is, of course, the director of Amudim, is with us live via telephone. A pleasure, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Reb Nachum. I just have one question for you. Yeah. You started the, the show before you were born? <laughs> I always say that the greatest favor God did for me was getting me started very, very early. But even under those circumstances, I'm still up there as we get to 40 years later. But I do appreciate the sentiment. But yeah, started early, not before I was born, uh, but here we are 40 years later, which is so insane when you think about it. But I appreciate you acknowledging that. Thank you. 
My pleasure, and it's already been, you know, remember one thing, unite the heel, before we talk about Amudim, I have to be very machiatized. Not only, of course, obviously to Yummy and the production team, but two, to you, Nachum, because you have been part of Unite the Heal before it was Unite the Heal. You have been hosting our live stream or whatever we want to call it before we expanded it when Yummy took it to already since 2018. Yeah, the live stream event each year, and, and I thank you for that. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You think back. You think back to the early days when you were on the air with us describing problems that so many people did not want to discuss and describing situations in our community that are so painful and so difficult to deal with. I mean, we're talking, I mean, you've said it, you've said it on the air between, between uh, drug usage, between the drinking problem, between the unfortunate decisions that some young people make to take their own lives, something that you've dealt with so many times, unfortunately, and what families are going through. And, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so so many other mental health challenges that are going on in our community. And as Yummy said yesterday, a lot of people never knew that there was a place you could actually call and, and get help with these things in our community. And obviously, you're the place to do that. I always like to say, um, uh, Tzvi, I always like to say that there's a special recognition in the Jewish world when an organization has a proven track record. You know, when you're starting off, and, and, and collect to all the organizations that have started now, especially in light of the war, there's a lot of amazing efforts that have started, but you know, things can peter out sometimes after a few months. But when you have a proven track record, when you are there answering every single call for all these years and providing professional help and financial assistance when possible and anything that you can do for families and, and young people that are in these very sensitive situations, it, it's pretty remarkable. I think, honestly, it's one of the reasons this is such a successful event. You've been able to attract an incredible amount of support. And please, God, Sunday and Monday, uh, we will attract a lot of support uh, for the organization. That's before we even talk about the content. So let's talk, before we talk about the content, let's talk about the organization. Tell us. You know, we hear that the situations and the difficulties are even more so than they were a year or two ago. What's happening today with Amudim? So I'm going to speak out of two sides of my mouth for a second. On one hand, we don't see that the situations are more so, but we see that there's a huge increase in people feeling more comfortable to seek help. Wow. So it's, it's an increase of volume for us, but I must say a lot of the people are reaching out for help are for issues that occurred years ago that have never been addressed. You know, abuse and trauma from people's childhoods that are now in their 30s and 40s. You know, so this is something where, you know, we're keeping that in mind. And the important note is because we have to be able to look at, you know, the wins and not the losses, as I said before. And we're trying to keep in mind that, like, awareness is really the key. And I told you this many times, being on the radio with you throughout the year, you know, when different things are going on. Not, you know, we do one fundraiser a year, we should hopefully do more. But it's really, you know, you're a big part of this because people hearing about things gives them also that extra comfort to call. Ten, we started just under 10 years ago. I mean, we went from 600 people that we've assisted in 2015 to over 4,000 2023 year to date. Man. So, you know, the numbers are, are, are that, but really it's, it's a lot more people are reaching out. Now, it happens to be the last two months took a very different turn because, you know, while our primary focus is dealing with victims of abuse, people struggling with addiction and, and various mental health issues, 
our phones have been literally nonstop, both at our Israel office and, and in the U.S. office, regarding either people that are looking for therapy because of their impact or what's impacted them based on the current situation in Eretz Yisrael. Right. And we've been dealing with situations with college campuses where people are reaching out, the anxieties and the a lot of people that are suffering PTSD, you know, even from not being someplace directly, but just being so involved in hearing and seeing. So it's, it's, a, it's a new world right now. Are there enough professionals out there? You need to hire people on this side of the world and in Israel to deal with so many of the situations among young people and others, as you just described. Are there enough professionals in all of this? Are there enough professionals available to hire, yeah. or are there enough professionals yeah. that we have employed? No, are there enough in our community to deal with all these situations? Do you find that when you're seeking out somebody, you can find them? Um, so the answer is there are, but it gets a little bit complex on the financial side. You know, a lot of people, especially now, the last year and a half, two years, I mean, Baruch Hashem, interest rates started changing a little bit now, but... The economy has been really, really hard on a lot of people. Right. And mental health care, behavioral health is a very, very expensive. And, you know, a lot of people just can't afford it. So all there, there, there are certainly enough trained professionals, but financially it's just not affordable. And that's actually, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, we started our clinic in Israel for that reason. Right. To provide quality care at an affordable rate. We're opening up a clinic now in New York, Amir Tashem, in, in the next few weeks, God willing, for the same reason. Because, you know, people reach out to us and, you know, we provide comprehensive clinical case management. All of our staff are therapists. They're not doing the treatment. They're managing. They're the quarterback, helping people with every step of their issue. But when it comes to money, you know, we do have one fund that helps subsidize therapy, but that fund is only as good as how much money is in it. And I got to be honest, <clears throat> inpatient treatments alone, and I said this to you before, the numbers only went up. If we were to be able to fund every person that reached out to us because they need inpatient treatment, we would have to be raising a minimum at this point of $80 million a year. Yeah. It's just not practical. Yeah. Right, so, there are enough professionals, there are, but affordability is the problem. Boy, the decisions you and your staff have to make, they are... Life-saving decisions. All right, Svi Gluck is with us. Amudim has Unite to Heal. Where do you find it? UniteToHeal.com. UniteToHeal.com. You can actually donate there now and support, support Amudim. They have a nice Donate Now button at the top of the page. And 36 hours begins 9 a.m. Sun, 9 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday morning with people tuned in from around the world. So I know that obviously the Unite to Heal concept in terms of the 36 hours is something uh, that just started a couple of years back. I think this is the fourth year we're doing it. Um, it, the content is pretty amazing. We went through a lot of it yesterday with Yummy. Um, the content is amazing. The the numbers are incredible uh, in terms of the millions of people that are tuning in uh, to the different uh, segments. And obviously those segments stay around forever uh, once they air uh, after Sunday and Monday. What what is From your vantage point, what do you say about the event? What do you say about all this incredible content and what you've been told is going to be shown to everybody starting on Sunday morning? So I have to say, first of all, the content this year, I have to be honest, other than hearing peripherally and seeing some of the things, 
they keep me out of it <laughs> because they get very nervous that I mix in, <laughs> and I always have too many too many problems with them. So they don't show me, but there's a few small things that they do tell me about. But when I saw the lineup, I was I was amazed. I mean, first of all, I have always been a fan of of Rabbi Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lauschlita. Yeah. Always, I mean, just someone who. Ever since I first heard about him, and the fact that, 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 you know, I mean, his son has been a big supporter of Amudim's, and especially, specifically Amudim Israel since inception. Oh, wow. Um, you know, so that's the family that we, but, but for him to agree to come on, and, you know, it's just, that's like a, a holding a new reversal Shachter Shlita, you know, who I could proudly say, you know, now is, you know, my son's Rosh Hashiva as well. You know, my son is an MTA. Um, my son's, rather, two boys there. Um, you know, coming on. So in addition to all of the amazing content, you know, that we've seen on Hello Fold, and then, you know, we have a lot of the influencers coming on and the musical pieces, by the way, some of these songs this year, Nachum, I got to tell you, yeah. I was, I'm not going to give any more information. I don't know what Yummy said yesterday, but that's one of the things that I actually did pay attention to, and, and it was extremely emotional and beautiful. Yeah. So the content is amazing, but, but more important is, and this was part of, Yummy's genius that we are so impressed with, I must say, is the content is meant to drive people to be able to enjoy. It's not, a, it's not like an amudim, you know, come and we're going to give you all this awareness about overdose and addiction and abuse. It's more about let's give something, you know, where people can, can enjoy someone, especially in a time like now. We have a bunch of segments on anti-Semitism, how to deal with it. I mean, we really, we always... You know, we always, yummy always, not me, you know, do it to fit with the times and what's important. Right. But even more important is the amount of people that we find out every year that have learned about Amudim as a result and have come to seek help is what makes it all worth it. And, and, and that's really what it's about. You know, we always tell people, yes, we have to raise money. That's important. Otherwise, we can't do what we do. And especially now... We're, I'm sure, I mean, I hope you're not going to feel this, but fundraising is harder than it's ever been yep. in the United States. Yep. It's been very, very tough. I'm not complaining. People are giving money to very important causes to our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, and it's really important. But a lot of people are saying that, you know, they re, re, you know re, repurposed their funds, which we understand, but it's making it much more difficult, which means that more than ever, every penny really counts, like really more than ever, because, you know, we're not really dealing with what we've had in the past from a financial standpoint. Um, but be that as it may, the end goal is to get people help. And the fact that, that, that we're able to have an event that last year we were at about a million views, I mean, which is, to me, when we saw the numbers after the event, I myself didn't believe it. It was like, sound, sounded too high, and then you have to match up unique eye views, unique IPs. Again, I'm learning all these things. I don't know what these things mean, but then by the time you're done running all these reports, and then we see that people were like, you know, oh, I never heard of Amudim, and now I'm reaching out for help because I saw Unite to Heal. And we have people that have watched segments a year after the event and something in them was triggered that they now reached out to call for help. So this is not just a one-time 36-hour event as a benefit to Amudim. It's a one-time 36-hour, but it remains forever online event for the benefit of all of Kali Yisrael. Yeah. And as, it doesn't end after the 36 hours. And as you mentioned, it also makes people aware that there's a place to call and comfortable that there's a place to call. 
And that means your job just gets harder and harder. Go to UniteToHeal.com, everybody. Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It begins Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It ends. It's 36 hours of amazing content, as we discussed yesterday. By the way, there is a special tab on UniteToHeal.com about Amudim's Israel War response. That's one of the things you can learn about. You'll see it at the very top of the page. There's also, of course, a big Donate Now button, which means you don't have to wait until Sunday. You can donate now to the Unite to Heal Amudim campaign. Make it a great success, as you always have every single year. And I look forward to being with Amudim on Sunday and Monday uh, with interesting conversation, wonderful content, and hopefully a massive celebration Monday night when they achieve their goal. Because, uh, boy, as as we've said, they're one of those organizations with a proven track record, and we know as a community that when they achieve their goal, they're going to be able to move ahead and help people at an astounding pace. Rabbi Tzvi Glock, I wish you the best of luck. See you, Bezrat Hashem, on Sunday, and I hope that this audience and really the worldwide audience um, and worldwide community comes through and makes this a major success for Amudim. Thank you very much. Afrelech and Hanukkah and Rab Nachum. Before we end... I'd like you to just uh, send me the link. I'm going to donate $36 in honor of your 40-year anniversary, getting it done on Hanukkah, so it gets doubled. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. That does become four times high. Every dollar does count, and today it counts double, which is amazing. A big thank you to everybody. Tzvi Gluck. We'll speak to you Sunday and Monday, everybody, from the Amudim event. More coming up as we wrap things up on a Friday morning. Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting at 4.09 in New York. 4.09 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Go to fjbunity.org to support JM and the AM. fjbunity.org. Take advantage of the match for today. And it's time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Rather with the women, AlchemSingle.com and then AlchemSingle Network. And of course, the beloved NSN app. A reminder, this coming Sunday, Matis Weingast is going to be speaking with two authors of the same book. That's right, Matis is going to be featuring... A, a very important work this coming Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. with J.M. Sunday. It's called Body and Soul, the Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life. Rabbi Alexander Seinfeld and Dr. Daniel Grove with an afterword by Rabbi Zion Schaefer are all part of this work. Mata speaks with both authors this coming Sunday during J.M. Sunday right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Keep that in mind. Uh, Kedem presents the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. That happens at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Plus, of course, the Erev Shabbos music mix in the final hour, all happening coming up here at um, here at uh, JM in the AM, or I should say on the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, everybody. Zos Chanukah. Until uh, Monday, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.